Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are black and brown renters being denied access to housing based on biased algorithms? A renter screening company says it's not its issue because it doesn't make renting decisions. Wyoming wants to phase out electric vehicles by 2035. We don't think lawmakers propose this resolution with a straight face as they attempt to make a point to states like California and New York. And is all fair in love in AI. A Silicon Valley man uses AI to write and illustrate a children's book. And let's just say the reaction by many was visceral. We've got all this and more for you in this Martin Luther King Day episode of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And coming out of Philly, it's your girl, Tech Life Steph. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. It don't matter what angle you're looking at it, it's whack in any angle. <laughs> <laughs> See, what had happened was... Yeah, no, I was uh, referring to that uh, MLK statue that they erected in Boston. That uh, somehow um, looks uh, ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> that somehow so, ridiculous. So, so here's the thing: I saw someone post a picture of what the inspiration was, and then it's like, oh, okay, now I see it. And it's one of those things to where once you see it, then you see it. But until the picture was posted, it looked like something else, and it's like they they had a bunch of kids but i don't think that's what you know martin and coretta wanted you know the world to see <laughs> you know there was some private moments is what it looked like to be so he tried bless his heart mm-hmm. <laughs> he definitely tried anyway we are doing a tech show on martin luther as many of our folks used to say martin luther the king <laughs> i don't know why the the was in there so i got to think ask. that was like bernie mac or Cedric oh, yeah. Dinner. It's like it was I think it was Bernie Mac that first said that in a okay. in a stand up routine. Or Cedric <laughs> the Entertainer, one of the two. And it's, it's, it's been around. That's been around. Uh, I don't even know if you call that a colloquialism, but I know it's been around for a minute. But I got to ask you all. We, we all are roughly around the same age. Did you have grandparents who had the pictures? They, they had three. They had a picture of uh, Jesus, John F. Kennedy. And Martin Luther King in the house. No. Am I am I the only one? You was the only one. <laughs> well, I <laughs> I don't know. I can't speak for Terrence, but but no. <laughs> uh Jesus, yes. Um, Jesus, yep. Um my mom, um over every door, she put a picture of oh, what's that angel? Some sort of uh you protected, you know, as you leave the house or something like that. I had to look it up, but um no, no, uh, Martin Luther King, Jesus, and JFK. Such a weird no. combination. It, anyway, 
it, it, it was. <laughs> and I used to, I remember asking, it's like, why, why we got them white? Because I didn't realize who John F. Kennedy was when I was little. It's like, what? Well, who's that white dude? I, I, didn't, I didn't know that, who that, that was. was? I, 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 I don't know. And, you know, it ain't no shame. And it's like, I, I know I'm not the only one in the world because I've seen it at other places. But those are the pictures that my grandfolks, uh, you know, they had. And how they wasn't necessarily, I said, I called it a triumvirate. It wasn't like they was like three right along with each other. But you could find JFK, a picture. You could find many pictures of Jesus. And you could find, you'd always find one of Martin, uh, you know, you know, in the house. Here, here's another thing I will ask. When y'all was little and the I dream of speech came, um, you know, would always come on. I think NBC used to do it all the time. This is back before ever, you had 1942 cable channels. So you kind of was a captive audience to watch it. Did you, you know, did you, uh, your family stop and listen regardless of what you was doing when that speech came on? Yeah, that was, that was another thing for me too. <laughs> I don't even remember that being on, um, like at any point in time. I, I just don't even remember that being a thing like them preempting programming to to run that speech I, I don't know that it was like preempting programming it would just be like it just oh wow that speech is on it was it was usually like on a and this this was probably before the the holiday was even official this is just around his birthday um that i remember because uh you know this is how it was for me we had the big console tv that didn't work and then you had the newer square tv to set on top of the console tv and that's what we used to watch you know i my folks was into it. I, you know um i had to i had to you know remember speeches and all that kind of stuff so that was just me but it is uh martin mm-hmm. luther king day today we are we're, we're doing the show um but we are a tech show so we're gonna talk about some tech because there's there's been quite a bit of it that's been going on over, over the last week before we get into it though i want to let everyone know who's listening if you'd like to support the tech john you can head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech john that is patreon.com forward slash the tech j-a-w-n and we have multiple tiers over there any one of those tiers helps support us help us do the thing that we do um and put up some of the cost of what it costs to put this stream up so you know always want to you know give folks an opportunity to support because i actually have people who ask directly hey how we can how can we support your show patreon is probably the best way one of the other ways is to rock with us on social media and also head over to our discord that's where we're starting to have conversations so we have opened up our discord is open up to everybody now so if you just head over to the techjohn.com forward slash discord uh you'll be able to you know get an invite and uh, hop into that community over there so that being said let's go ahead and jump into some tech and the first one terrence you just stuck this one in like right at the last minute and i wanted to bring it up because it's, it's something that it, it is a problem and it's something that Martin Luther King used to talk about all the time. Um, but, you know, you asked about are, are algorithms biased against black renters? Um, I don't think you were really asking the question because you didn't know the answer, but it was just a you, you phrased the you phrased the statement in the form of a question. But say for rent. Um, I read through this. I read I read two different articles on what safe rent is doing in, in, in the court case that they're going through. And what it looks like to me is that folks will always try to find a loophole mm-hmm. to be racist. Tell me I'm wrong on that, but it looks like they are searching hard for a loophole to continue the racism. No, am I uh, missing it? Well, no, that's basically what happening They're They're uh, throwing this <laughs> safe rent. I think it's the name of it. There's two kinds. Mm-hmm. There was one is called safe rent. And then there's another one that's used as well. 
And what struck me as surprise, well, yeah, what struck me as surprising, what I wasn't surprised about is that black people who are trying to rent um, Airbnbs, Verbo, vacation homes, whatever the case may be, were being discriminated against possibly because of their race. Uh, what was surprising was the response to the people who were actually doing it. And basically, for example, I put down this quote, Safe Rent, which is the company. Basically, what they do is they screen potential renters. And if I am a renter of a my house and I want to, quote unquote, screen somebody to make sure whatever the case may be, I can run their information through this screener and it'll give me information about them, whether it be credit score, whether it be criminal background history, whatever the case, past rental, you know, uh, claims, whatever the case may be. In addition to that, of course, it gives my age. I'm assuming it gives my gender. I'm assuming it gives me my race. Uh, so the story starts off about a lady who is a part of a class action lawsuit against safe rent that is using algorithms to screen tenants. And of course, they are suing because that's against the Fair Housing Act, because the safe, the Fair Housing Act says you cannot discriminate uh, from people based on their gender, based on their age, based on their sex and uh, their um racial background, racial identity. So what's surprising about this is the excuse that they gave. And the, like you said, the loophole is <laughs> safe rent, uh, put out a quote. They said they argued that the algorithms used to screen tenants aren't subject to the fair housing act because it scores only advise landlords and don't make the decisions. So what <laughs> safe rent is saying is we ain't the racist ones. We're just passing along the information to the tenants. I mean, the the owners of the property It's the owners who are being racist. We just kind of helping them be racist, but we're not really being racist is how I got it. So I just thought that was interesting as it's like, yes, you know, there's still racial discrimination. There's still profiling. There's still bias. Uh, it's just moved in the algorithms. And like Rob said, they're just using loopholes as to why they decide uh, who they want to rent against. In this case, uh, in these cases, in this story that I read, it just had so happened to be black folks. Yeah, and when, when I when I read through this, the the <laughs> for so, anybody that is not watching, I'm holding up algorithms of oppression. How search engines reinforce racism. This was written um, a while back by Sophia Noble, but ain't much changed. Ain't much changed. <laughs> so so yeah, and it's the the interesting thing is that this was a crafted response. This is something that they thought about. Oh, yeah. You know, here's how we're going to get away with it. We ain't being racist. We're just enabling racists to be racist. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so that, that, you know, you can't even say that's us by proxy. We ain't got it. We're we're just giving you the data. Um, But when they crash the loophole, that is just a loophole. That is just a loophole. Under the bus. They say, well, it was such a, it was just such a weak cop out. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, you know, no, 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 no. It was just the truth. They were just honest. They told you exactly what they were doing. And now it's it's weak. The pro, you know, that their their policies are weak. But they told you exactly what they were doing. But I'm just sitting here thinking, it's like you know, it's 2023. You you are a company that ultimately you want people to spend money with your you know with your uh you know with your organization uh, to generate revenue for you. 
it just seems like you would, even if, if it's not true, it seems like you would fake a better response than that. Because right. literally what they are telling you is that no, this is not a problem for the Fair Housing Act because we're just giving racists the opportunity to express it with data. We're not actually the ones doing it. Therefore, it's not on us. And, you know, I, I, I am editorializing uh, quite a bit in this because this one just gets in my crawl. But it's like, seriously, you know, they literally think that you can just say we're going to use all these factors to discriminate against folks. But as long as we're not the one actually making the decision, it's cool. Because mm-hmm. as I was as I was saying a second ago, is that when I'm looking at this and I'm looking at the, uh, you know, um, it seems like she's not the only woman. It's a class you know, class action, but the woman is like cited or quoted in, you know, in this article, she showed, what was it? 16 years of punctual rent payments. Of punctual rent payments mm-hmm. um, and this and that and the other. And she was actually able to, you know, qualify for a, you know, for a rent that was, it cost more. It was just not in necessarily the desired neighborhood that she wanted to be in. So that just got me to thinking, it's like, Oh, you can go over here and pay more money to not be, you know, to be in a neighborhood that we don't necessarily want you to be in. But in these neighborhoods, we've got to figure out something other than 16 years. You've actually not missed, you know, a rent payment, have not been tardy, have not been late. That's not that's not good enough. And, you know, like I said, it's just a loophole. Um, it, it's, it's just a loophole. And it's and like it's, a, it's and just coincidentally, uh, the Fair Housing Act was um put together and, and passed in 1968, a week after the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. So happy Martin Luther King Day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to say about this. Pretty much par for the course. I think um, America. Yeah, this is... I, I, like I said, I was just surprised that y'all actually said that. You know, you said yeah. you said the quiet part out loud. I was I was not expecting that response. I was I was expecting all kind of hemming and hawing and and all these kind of things. Like, nope, not our problem. We're not the one making the decisions. Uh, th- that's literally you know what they are saying. But let, let's let's move into a, another story that is it's kind of it's kind of funny to me actually. Uh, and I, I think you know we're going to talk about a few things with just how the world is moving, how technology is is making things move and how it affects society, how it affects people's jobs and stuff like that. But the first one that I wanted to bring up was the state of Wyoming. They want to phase out all sales of new electric vehicles, all EVs by 2035. So let, let me repeat that again. They're not trying to phase out fuel combustion engines by 2035, they want to phase out the sale of electric vehicles in the state of Wyoming by 2035. And the reason they want to do this is because Wyoming is a, you know, much of their industry is based off of fossil fuel. So, you know, they're basically, their lawmakers are coming up with this. Uh, it, It is it, it best, it is going to fail miserably at, you know, at worst, it is, they're, they're just kind of poking fun at the situation. They're kind of making a joke out of this because, uh, if, if this thing passes, it's not actually something that's going to really happen. It's, it's voluntary. They're, they're asking businesses and individuals to no longer purchase EVs. So because of that, it has no teeth in it, you know, whatsoever. But what they're, what they're doing is they're poking at states like New York, 
like California that are actually coming out and saying that by 2035, we will no longer sell gas combustion engine vehicles in, in, in these states. So they're kind of just trying to make a point on it. Um, I wanted to get you guys' take on just the comical nature of this because when you think about it, even well, if you it, don't think about it's, it, it's, kind it's of not even it's but, not even comical. It's yeah. it's a waste of government resources yeah. when you talk about the fact that taxpayer dollars are paying these people's salaries, and this is the type of thing that y'all are you know up at the state capitol trying to legislate. It's it, it's it's not even largely symbolic. It's all symbolic, and mm-hmm. it and it's and it's just you know a petty passive aggressive way to try to thumb your nose um, for for climate change deniers to try to thumb their nose at states that are trying to be proactive and get ahead of the fact that, you know, our planet is going to look a lot different in 10 to 20 years. And and so we should try to do something about that on the front end. Yeah, exactly. And it's just it's disgusting to me. It it really is just a, a, a misuse of government resources. You know, I'm sure there are plenty other things happening in Wyoming that that require uh it government intervention and 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 legislation and things like that and this is just not one of them I, I was I was really disappointed and and I mean I don't know why because politics being what it is but you know those those citizens of Wyoming should have a big problem with this they really really should because it's, it's it's some bullshit right and my thing is so the analogy I can think of is when you when you read or hear about a criminal doing all going through all this work to do a crime and people normally say if you would have took all those brains and took all of that planning and took all of that ingenuity and put it into doing something good mm-hmm. <laughs> you wouldn't even have to be messing around trying to do crime so i take that analogy and apply it to this instead of y'all trying to legislate EVs out of Wyoming actually what you probably could be spending better time on your ingenuity you're thinking is to how to um, switch or uh, 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 the only best way I can think of is switch Wyoming into a more uh, more um, or at least solar. figure out how right. to co how to make the two coexist. You know, they right, talked about right. not having the infrastructure and the chargers and you know all of that. But like maybe Now's make that shift, right. right? And make that <laughs> shift. And all those people that you're trying to support and the get. I mean, I get it. You know, Wyoming's like the eighth largest uh, state for fuel. You know, oil, fossil fuel production and consumption and all that, whatever. And so I get that you don't want your your base to lose their jobs and all the rest of that stuff, but like to your point, Terrence, make the figure out how to make the transition. You know, right. we need people to build chargers. We need people to service chargers. We need people to do all those different things. Put some like solar you, farms on yet all that land that y'all ain't using. Or the, out there or the in wind, yeah, or make right. some more wind farms or or, more or something. Jobs, but, you, but more jobs, businesses do, being built. Yeah, but to waste time doing this, it just it. it yeah, it, it like I said, it it is it's it's a joke. They're using, as you said, taxpayer dollars to go, to go and do this because it wasn't like just one wild card senator from Wyoming. And, and these are state, you know, this is the state government, not the you know the folks you know that are in D.C. But it wasn't just one. It was it was several of them that have signed on to this. And who knows? Like I said, it it, it purely is just. This is going to make our base feel good that we're doing this. But when you actually go and you look at it, it's like, well, wait a minute. You're not actually betting anything. You're just hoping that 
your citizens and the companies in your state will no longer actually purchase these type of things. So when, so when I look at it like that, I was like, at best, this is stupid. I mean, it's just like, this is just a dumb thing to do. But I do want to ask this question because th- this, this is a problem. What is the responsibility, if any, of, you know, of society or, or, or the government to actually, you know, to really think deeply about how changing industries are going to affect people's livelihoods, because that's that that is what a big argument is. It is not the main argument is not the only argument, but it is a big argument that if we are a big oil producer and we stop doing that because no one is using oil anymore, then we have a lot of people who had really nice paying jobs that are no longer going to have those jobs. And, you know, Stephanie, you started to go down this you know, down this trail of, well, you could take the time now instead of coming up with these ridiculous laws that will never pass to actually put, you know, um, legislation in place that maybe is going to do like job training or figure out how you can actually, you know, be like there, there, there is a lot of land in Wyoming that doesn't have people on it. Maybe you can, you know, do wind farms. Maybe you can do solar farms, those kind of ideas. You know, what is the responsibility of, you know, of society to ultimately think about how you move into this? We're going to talk about AI in a second. And it's, it's the same kind of themes. Like, you know, what is the responsibility of society to say, Hey, if we do this, these jobs are going to go away. Um, well, the same as like, where are all the coal jobs right now? There were, millions of coal miners all across the country at one point in this country until we realized coal was not going to be a viable long-term solution for energy production in America. And now, you know, those people probably transitioned to oil or natural gas or whatever, but now it's time to transition to something else. I mean, right. you know, change is a part of life and it is, a, it's incumbent upon all of us, but I think upon our government, most especially to help people through these transitions. Um, at the same time, making sure that our country and this planet is, is prepared. Right. Exactly. Prepared for, for what's to come. Um, and, and, in regards to, to climate change. Mm-hmm. They just t- maintaining the status quo is never it's not going to work. Is not sustainable. Eventually, no. eventually, you're either going to be you're going to figure out a way to smoothly transition into the future, or you're going to be dragged, kicking and screaming, or get left behind. Choose which one you want to be. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I can't. I can't think if this was before we actually went on a little holiday hiatus, or it might have been right or if it was during or if it was right before. But there are scientists who essentially have, they put, you know, they put energy into a system and then got more energy out of it. I am, I'm bastardizing the, the complete story, but ultimately fusion doesn't look like, you know, cold fusion at that doesn't look like it is this unattainable thing. Like it did maybe two, three months ago, because there are literally, uh, you know, experiments that have worked and have been repeated to where they are eventually going to figure out how they can actually make a lot of really, really clean energy, you know, relatively inexpensively. Is it going to be five years away, 10 years away? We don't know, but we do know that this is something that is being worked on. So you would think that the, you know, that the, you know, that the, the fuel, the fossil fuel industry is saying, we know that eventually some scientists is going to figure out how to make this work. Let's get down with that science so that we have a pivot point. But that doesn't Too seem to be like what right. we do. It seems like, like what we right. want to do is like, no, we're going to do, every, we're going to invest billions into just fighting 
the inevitable. Um, it, like I said, it's lunacy to Pretty think much. that you're going to ban EVs when Earth is telling you that's where it's going. It's like, I, I, I don't know what the folks are thinking, you know, why they're not thinking, you know, this through, but that, that is, that is not a bet you're ultimately going to win in the long run. So I just like, I I wonder what, you know, society needs to do. I wonder what governments should be doing to try to stem that tide so that, you know, know, this person is working in a, you know, if they're they're working in a coal mine, if they're working in a, uh, you know, basically if they're working in fossil fuels and we know that that's going to hopefully go away at some point, well, how do we transition them, transition them into other things? And it doesn't in the short term way and it doesn't have to go away completely. It just can't be the main source, especially mm-hmm. if we know it is poisoning the planet, whether directly or indirectly. It can't be the only thing we have to have alternatives. We have to have multiple sources in order to um, keep this thing the, moving. And at the and, end of the day, the government has no problem letting economies die if necessary. I lived, I'm born and raised right next to Braddock, Pennsylvania, which was exactly, which was a, uh, you know, hub of, of steel for America. And, and, and nobody had any problem letting Braddock die on the vine quite literally when that mill, well, it's not closed completely, but there's probably a skeleton crew uh, of people that work there now. So let's not act like this is, you know, some altruistic thing to keep people with jobs and 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 good paying jobs and stuff. It has nothing to do with the 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 people that are actually working um, mm-hmm. in these industries. It has to do with the companies that are getting the revenue. So that's all yeah. I'm gonna say about this. And I'm on the other side of that st- steel belt from where you grew up. Um, there were in my in my small hometown. Um, I believe that it, that, you know, the, the height of, um, you know, where I'm from, it might have been 80,000 people, but there were seven steel mills. There's one that is still there that runs at probably 15% of the capacity that it did in the eighties. Um, the other six have actually shut down or been converted into doing other things. But that city that was 80 some odd thousand people is now like 34,000 because literally all those jobs have just gone. And what, what I remember, um, you know, about that time was that they weren't losing them to innovation. They were losing them to places outside of the United States. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like back then it's like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's about the profits is, you know, th- this is how we're going to remain profitable. That it makes, you know, it makes more sense to get that steel from China. It makes more sense to get that steel from, you know, wherever else you're getting it outside of here. And there, don't get me wrong. It's not like this was like, uh, you know, just easy for them to do there there were political you know th- th- there was politics in it back then just like there's politics in this now but it's just interesting to me that when it was about making money it was oh we got to do this because this is just what you know this is what makes best sense. It, it is best for you to not have that job making steel here it's best for us to send that job somewhere else to where we don't have to have the safety rules and all the things that we have here so the steel can be less you know less expensive and they ultimately, you know, you know, what do we know? Steel mills are, you know, are a fraction of what they used to be. This is a little different because it's like, you know, there are other things you can do. You can't export energy independence. It's got to be here. Um, they're not going to put solar, you know, solar farms in, in a country 6,000 miles away <laughs> and ship the power back. 
you know. Um, so you, you need to build that stuff here. Those are those are high skilled jobs that you could train people to do. Um, they're not going to. They may, they make make the solar panels in other places, but you know what? You, you know, the United States is a big country. You can train a lot of people how to build solar panels, how to build wind farms, how to do that and keep that kind of stuff here. And I'm just, I'm always surprised that that's never the default to people that are America first. Uh, well, why not be America first in the stuff to where, you know, earth is going? It's like, to me, it just seems like you, uh, would have, you know, a lot of opportunity if that's where we were to go. Cause that's not what the company say, Rob. Ain't no money in it. <laughs> is that what it is? Is that what it is? <laughs> hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So y'all, we talked about AI last week. I think, you know, we, we, we spent a fair amount of time on, uh, what is it? Chat GPT. And this, this story, I, I was waiting for it to happen. And I thought it might take a couple weeks. It didn't take a couple weeks. It literally took a couple of days from when we were on last week. Uh, but you know, Steph, I think you stuck this one in here. Is you know, is it all fair? You know, is you know, how how did you write this? Is it all it's fair? All in fair love in and love AI and AI, or, <laughs> or not? Nah? Um, and, and you know, I'll let you tell the story. But essentially, a young man wrote a. A children's well, he, book he completely with AI. Well, he didn't write it. He, he didn't he, write it. He provided the prompts. He used AI to come up with a children's book and also to illustrate it as well. So he used mm-hmm. Chat GPT to come up with the the text, the actual story, and he used a um another AI um thing called uh what is the name of it? Let me. Midjourney uh, mm-hmm. is an AI tool that generates images, text right. to text to image, to come up with the illustrations for the book. Um, it was supposed to just be for a few of his friends, but he ended up going on um, Amazon, on KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing, and and uploaded it to Kindle, uh, to KDP, Amazon KDP, and and sold a few copies. And and so now the backlash has come because he he did a whole Twitter thread on the fact that he did this he was he was quite proud of himself um and 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 it does seem like he was only trying to show showcase the technology right and, and kind of highlight this is what could be done using mm-hmm. this technology however the internet being what it is the backlash was oh, swift and severe um because, they because came for 
I mean, because what he is doing is, first of all, it's 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 low key. I, I, do we say it's dishonest? I don't know. Is this it's, it's disingenuous at in, best? In in, in um, his case, I don't think so because he was upfront and said exactly what he, he was doing, how he was he doing did, it from the beginning. So for him, it was more of the wow. I think I could actually do this with AI, and then told the story about it as he was doing, almost like he did this thing in public. But yeah. this is almost but, like, but this but, is al- yeah. but this is almost like hackers who hack a system, and instead of saying, "Hey, Microsoft, we've got an issue. I I need to work with you because I was able to exploit X, Y, and Z." Let's come to you and figure out a solution so we can then figure out a way to best plug it for to make sure nobody's data get lost. Maybe nobody's information gets stolen. Make sure nobody gets put out, whatever the case may be. And then Microsoft and them team up. They come up with a plan and then they fix this thing. Right. What a lot of hackers are doing is they will hack Microsoft and then go to Internet and go to Twitter, go to Facebook, go to the tech articles and publish this story about them being able to hack Microsoft. And then they get this their 15 minutes of fame. Right. Because if you do it the, the first way. You may not get any fame because Microsoft didn't put out a patch and say, we've patched this X, Y, and Z. They may give the dude a byline. They may say thanks to the guy who originated. They may not. You know, this kind of reminds me of that to where instead of this dude saying, hey, you know, let me uh, come up with this. Uh, create this book to to uh, highlight the dangers or highlight, you know, what can be done with this t- chat GPT. And maybe let me work with, you know, a, a library or let me work with a school or let me work with, you know, government or whatever the case may be to kind of highlight how this can be used. And we better watch out for it. He went to Twitter and got some popularity. And then on the back end, like you said, after the the, the heat came, according to the story, um, he plans to donate additional copies to his local library after earning some royalties. Now, he didn't make a whole bunch of money on the thing, but, it, you know, the the back end is kind of like, oh, you know, let me let me show that I was trying to do this in good faith when he blew up on Twitter, good or bad. And I think yeah. in our day, people are trying to get that. I'm trying to get put on. How do I get put on? Let See, me do I, don't, I don't even necessarily know that he was doing it for that reason. I, yeah, think I don't think he, so either. Yeah, I think he I think he went viral and he didn't know he wasn't expecting to go viral. Um, but I think it speaks to a larger issue around using AI for this type of thing, especially when it comes to the image part of it, because these these uh, platforms like Mid Journey, like Dolly, are using actual artists work to train their AI. So the idea that you're you're using artists work uncredited, uncompensated to train your AI um, and now you're cutting them out of the process altogether by generating your own imagery and your own artwork. That's a that's kind of a problem. That's a problem. That's definitely yeah. a problem. Yeah, I'm with you, Stephanie, on this. I don't think that this gentleman thought at all about this i think that number one he works in silicon valley lives in san francisco this is you know he's a tech guy for lack of a better word um 
this was probably something that, oh, these are cool. I want, I wonder what I can do with it. Let me go play and see what I can come up with. Oh, I was able to create a, you know, a, a children's book that actually reads fairly well. I was able to actually get, you know, these uh, images created all by AI. All I had to do was just figure out how to write the right prompts. I probably, you know, I think that's really what he, you know, w- what he was trying to do. As right. he said, but the my, book was really, really just for his friends. But again, the but problem my- is that is like, you know, how the internet has come formed because there's just all these ramifications to what you're doing that he didn't necessarily think about. And I'm not going to make it say that it's his problem solely to have thought about it, but he's first. So he's, he's the one getting the heat. Um, And and that's, and that's the thing. When you, when you put some shit out there on the internet, you have to be mindful. That's what I always teach until that three tweet. You have to be mindful of how it's going to be perceived and how you may get responded to, even though you think just your followers are going to see it or I'm not trying to blow up or I'm not trying, whatever he thought once it's on the internet, you don't have any control over it. You lose control over, over the, over the content once you put it out there. Um, one of the, I linked this story as well about CNET. Um, and, and like I'll just read here. CNET is being very upfront with how and when it's using AI assist. They've actually given it a name, AI assist, um, in its articles. And it's been doing this, uh, I want to say going back since, uh, uh, you know, sometime in November when they really started pushing these AI assisted articles. And the way they're explaining it is, well, we want to assist our, you know, our writers, our journalists That's from bullshit. having to do the mundane work of That's journalism. Uh, you trying to get rid uh, of half your staff. Now, what they try to do is they try to they, they basically try to make sure they don't get none of this heat that this dude in San Francisco is getting because it's probably coming for them. And, and they, they are now, you know, you know, making it very clear when these things are AI assisted generated articles and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know if either of you have played with, with chat GPT. I actually just, okay, let me go see what this is. Let, let me see what it is like to type into this thing and see the kind of answers I can get. I don't know that this bottle, that this genie is being put back in that bottle. I just, I, I don't no, know that that's going to be the case. Unfortunately, I looked at one of the articles that was written, one of the CNET articles that was written um, by AI Assist. Um, there were, there were a few interesting grammatical things that who whoever they claim edited it. Now that's the part that I don't believe. They're they're like, you know, nothing we do is gonna get published until it gets edited by a human and, you know, fact checked and proofread and that and I'm like clearly you didn't do it on this article because there was a there were there was a, a spelling error and a grammatical kind of contextual there was a word that didn't belong in a, in a place where, where it was put. And I'm assuming the AI put it there um, erroneously. So clearly you need better editors or it's not being edited at all. Like you say, it will be. And, and I just think it's a ploy to cut your staff and, 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 and raise your bottom line by cutting your staff uh, because you can't tell me you're not going to lay people off. Now, if you have a whole chat bot that writes your article, you can't you. tell me you're not going to use the chat bot to write articles. And if you can put the articles out there and people read them and you still get the clicks and you still get all the benefits that a, you would have to go through a normal writer. Ain't no way you can tell me you ain't then not going to use writers. Exactly. <laughs> and especially if you could get it done in two minutes, three minutes, however long it takes you to type you know the, the correct prompt and the and 
platform. Like, like y'all not y'all not fooling nobody. Y'all not fooling nobody. So, so here's my question: What do we do? Like I said, you know, just stemming from the Wyoming story about them not wanting EVs to be sold after 2035. What does society do? What you know? What what do governments do? Because as I said, I don't think this genie is going to be put back in the bottle. And here's what we know about companies: they're going to maximize profits beyond pretty much everything else. I'm not saying every company on the planet is like that, but the majority of them are. Most it's profit are. first. They're That's going right. to make money where they can make money. So if you know what we used to have like entry level people in the newsroom, we had eight of them and they had to come up and write these lists type posts. They had to come up and write these things to where literally all they were going to do is go to Google, research the information and then type it out. Well, we had eight of them. Well, you know what? Now we don't need eight. We only need two. And those two don't have to actually do any of the writing. They just need to make it seem like it wasn't written by a computer, make sure that it was edited by a human so that we don't get this heat. Right. That is where CNET is right now. It's not like that's where they're Basically. going. That's, that's where they're, where they that's are. where they are. Absolutely. Well, you know, CNET is, you know, they even say in the article that they are kind of on the front end, that they, they are on the bleeding edge of technology and using technology to do what they do because that's what they cover. But they're not the only companies that's going to do this. You're going to see other institutions that are going to start doing these type of things. So my question is, how do we ultimately adapt to that? Because, like I said, I don't think the genie's going back in the bottle. It's like he's it's out not. and he likes it. So. so I will say just as a as a counterpoint, um, GPT zero. It's uh, GPT zero dot me. A student. Um, I forget where he goes to school, but I, I, it's a, yeah. He developed a, a platform that can detect if mm-hmm. AI was used to write something. So um, for schools or you know teachers out there listening right now, if you if you if you need to know if something was written by AI, GPT zero. Um, is a way that you can um, can do that. That's we talked. That we talked a little bit about Chat GPT last week, and one of the one of the things we you know we talked about how I believe it is New York City schools, which is the largest school system in America, they banned OpenAI's IP addresses so that students can't use devices while in school that would allow them to get to Chat GPT. What was really interesting, and I know I'm repeating myself, but it, it is just a really interesting point to make, is that their concern wasn't so much that students are going to be cheating. We know that's going to happen. It's like you, there, there are several articles out since we last talked about it, but one of them says that, you know, chat GTP is going to be like a calculator. Teachers, you know, your students are using calculators, except for when you're standing over their shoulder, making sure that they're not. That's just how you now have to operate. But see, the That's thing I see, dynamic, I, but, I, I yeah, yeah. see, but the thing about a calculator is, um, you at least for, input. at least still mm-hmm. for now, you still have to know how to do the problem. Um, mm-hmm. a cal- like you know, coming from an engineer, uh, calculus ain't getting done by no calculator. No. You know what I mean? You still need to know how to do it, how to solve a derivative, um, or integral or whatever. You need to know a formula. You need to know what variables go in for those different letters. What numbers should be substituted? Like, you know, th- this is not the same. I, I get, I get the analogy. Oh, I, but, I, but I agree this because this is definitely not the same as a calculator. Many a math student has failed with a perfectly functioning Listen, TI eighty five calculator. 
and my hand is raised as someone who had the top of the line TI, you know, that that joint ain't gonna help you if you don't know how to do the problem. So, so um, you know, I, I will say some things that hmm, you know, make me maybe maybe this isn't as negative as what I am thinking it could be because we're just getting hit right now. People cheating, people potentially losing jobs because you didn't pay them to draw something, you didn't pay them to write something. That's kind of what's dominating the news right now. Um, but as I said, as, as I'm looking through what folks are trying to do with these large language model AIs uh, is just make doing your job easier. So, um, you know, who is it? Microsoft. We talked last week. We said a billion. They changed it. It's 10 billion now that they're looking to invest uh, into open AI. This stuff isn't going anywhere. But one of the things that I, you know, that, that, that I wonder um, is the prompt writing. Just like you have to have a level of knowledge, um, you have to have studied some to be able to use your TI calculator mm-hmm. to graph, you know, to, you know, to, to get that math problem right. You, you actually had to learn some math and it, this has changed over time. Just like the, the way teachers teach math today with the, you know, with computers where they are, with calculators where they are is different than the way that they taught a lot of it. Let's say in the seventies when, when these calculators were, it's like only the, the engineer, you know, the person was working, you know, in, you know, a university and an engineer had that Hewlett Packard that cost, you know, three, four hundred dollars back in the 70s. Um, if you learn how to write props correctly for these AIs, the the information you can get back out of them is actually fairly impressive. So my question the to question you is, I, what do you do with that information, though? Are you using it for knowledge? Are you using it for um, personal growth? Or are you using it to get paid? People um, are going to use it to get paid. Yes. And then and that yes. kind of I think all of that the, is true. Right. And I think from a student perspective, even if you had some basic level knowledge of how to write a prompt, you still didn't do the work. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And 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 that's the point. Like the point is not necessarily, you know, do you have enough information about a, to- a topic to to write a good prompt? It's like, did you do the work? And and when we when we remove that um, necessity from learning and that and that's where I see, you know, you talk about, well, what this what society's, you know, responsibility with government responsibility. I think our responsibility should be to our children to continue to figure out ways to help them think critically and and mm-hmm. and understanding how to write a good AI prompt is not critical thinking you know mm-hmm. doing the work is is part of that process and and the idea that you now don't have to know how to research anything or don't really have to like the idea that you only need to know how to write a good prompt is i think doing our our young people a disservice so yeah i i believe that the ability for folks to not have to learn anything is great with this. And so I, I want to see, I want to see how education morphs around this over time, because I, I, I do believe uh, I am not a big proponent of rote memorization. Um, you can pick one of these things up. I'm holding my phone up for people who uh, can't see me, uh, who, who are listening. And I literally have, for the you know for lack of a better words the the wealth of written information that the world has ever had written down and digitized at my fingertips so i don't need to remember um what date this happened on 
I don't need to remember, um, you know, how to get from point A to point B. I can act something that can do it. Um, how do how do we? I guess the word I'm asking, you know, I'm trying to look for the word, but you know, how, how do we balance that to where you don't, you know, there there is not a need to memorize a lot of things anymore because you can go to the bastion of all knowledge and just say, hey, what is the answer to this, and actually fairly, you know, get a fairly, you know, accurate answer. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't know how to think. It just means that you didn't memorize uh, what the state capitals of all 50 states were. Like, I, I'll use that as an example. How in your adult life does knowing what the state capitals are and what the original state capitals are for a state were? That's just rote memorization that you can just go right. research that and look it up. So but when, I think that this is going to kind of get to that area as well. Right. But when you when you type in, you know, and I saw this, I think, in one of the articles that that we posted for for this uh episode what are the what are the main themes of to kill a mockingbird you know what i mean now you had to yeah, write an essay you had to write an essay on the themes of to kill a mockingbird just because you know how to ask that question doesn't mean you know how to think critically to find those themes because number one you haven't read the book because the chat mm-hmm. is going to give you the, the the essay answer anyway and and so so you don't have to do that work mm-hmm. you know what i mean and and that's the problem that i think we are going to run into we are going to have a generation of young people that don't know how to do that work yeah um and if i'm honest i didn't read to kill a mockingbird i went and bought it the was cliff a notes. great book it was but a i had but book. i had to at least go get the cliff notes and read that with this you, don't you even still need to read had that to anymore. do something you still had to do something it's like i had to have the wherewithal to go get the cliff notes so that i could not get the d um and try to get a c on you know on the test for the book that i didn't read i'm being facetious but not really um so there, there is that. So, like I said, I just I don't think this is going away. We talked about last week about, you know what, when when search engines started coming out, there was a whole lot of encyclopedia salespeople sweating and we don't really see encyclopedia salespeople anymore. Um, what changes now with chat GTP and these type well, of I don't know. Models? I don't know if well, I the, to me, the jury's still out. I just think that this is getting a whole bunch of um, attention because it's new Mm. and everybody in our, we as a society are looking for, and more importantly, back to my original point about a dude who wrote this book, who's going to be first. And I think with, you know, uh, EVs with um, jet, chat gtp you know uh what a month ago it was um it was the um where you can draw the i, I guess it's chat gtp uh the ai open ai Dolly. Helps you, Dolly. Yeah, and all these things mm-hmm. right right you know um one our attention span is short because of the internet um i just think this is getting a whole lot of attention because everybody's trying to be first microsoft putting 10 billion dollars into this thing it's like all right what we're not about to do is miss out on this we may have missed out mm-hmm. on uh, uh smartphones we no longer have windows smartphones phone. search right. engines right we missed web things. browsers nobody we need to be first in Name something it. microsoft missed out on it <laughs> right and microsoft's like nope what we're not gonna do is miss out on this so we about to go all in and i just think because it's new um again i i, I don't want to say it's going to level out 
I just think that right now we're so in a rush to be first that we are, you know, projecting, you know, a lot of uh, we're making a lot of assumptions about where this is going to go. And really, we don't know. This is what this technology is, what, a year old, maybe, you know, and, and I mean, that it takes years. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's they've been working on this for years and years. Um, chat. GPT, talking about the, the, the realization of it. The, the, yeah. The, where November 30th. To, this mm-hmm. Earth tilted on its axis ab- around large language models mm-hmm. on, on November 30th when this came out. Um, I don't know if he said this last week or not. It gained, I, I believe it was a like in five days, a million followers or, or, or a million users in five days. And then they started, you know, running out things like, well, how long did it take Facebook? How long did it take Twitter? How long did it take TikTok? How long did it take some of these other things to get to, uh, you know, a million? I want to say Instagram was one of the fastest. This took five days to get to a million. So that's why we're hearing about it to the extent that we are. People were kind of, you know, it's, you know, the end of the year is kind of the downtime for tech until you get to CES and all that new stuff comes out. So it's just like slow, slow news cycle. This is what people were talking about. So I do agree with you on that, Terrence. I think that this is going to it's not going away, but I think that you're going to see the fervor kind of die down after a while. And it'll kind of just be a thing until the next version comes out that does something great that makes people, you know, kind of perk up and say, oh, wow, that's, you know, it's doing something that, you know, new that I didn't know that it could do before. So, y'all, I'm looking at the clock, and even though we started our show a little bit late, um, we're not going to go late. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. We do want to say that, you know, we, we are doing a spotlight, but this is not our regular kind of spotlight this week. It is Martin Luther King Day. Um, you know, um, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Let's put all the respect on his name. Um, and so our spotlight is going to be MLK. And as I said, when we started the show, I was one of those kids to where I had to recite speeches and stuff like that and, you know, reenact he things in, and stuff like that. He was in church. On MLK Day on Sunday, pretty much yes, pretty 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 much. <laughs> this this is before MLK was an actual holiday. This is like you know, right. you talking late seventies, early eighties. So, um, you know, I, I was that I had your little uh, suit I, on and everything. Yes, I did. I I, I was that I was that guy. Um, and it, you know, one of the you know the greatest speeches that has ever been spoken is "I Have a Dream" speech. But that's what everybody goes to. And you look at it, it's like when I look at the you know the tweets, it doesn't really matter what your political agenda is, what your you know you know how you lean. You're going to get folks all the way from the far left all the way to the far right that are going to quote things from "I Have a Dream" um, out of context <laughs> to, 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 to make their point. But that being said, like I said that is is arguably one of the greatest speeches that has ever been delivered. Definitely, you know, probably number one here in the United States. But here's the speech that I like to go to, and I'm not going to read an entire speech, but I do like to talk about this one. This was what uh, Dr. King um, wrote for his lecture when he received the Nobel Prize for Peace back in 1964. So I'm just going to read a little bit here of what he had to say. Modern man has brought this whole world to an awe-inspiring threshold of the future. He has reached new and astonishing peaks of scientific success. He has produced machines that think and instruments that peer into the unfathomable ranges of interstellar space. He has built gigantic bridges to span the seas and gargantuan buildings to kiss the skies. His airplanes and spaceships have dwarfed distance, placed time in chains, and carved highways through the stratosphere. This is a dazzling picture of modern man's scientific technological progress. Yet in spite of these spectacular strides, 
strides in science and technology, and we still unlimited ones to come, something basic is missing. There is a sort of poverty of spirit, which stands in glaring contrast to scientific technological abundance. The richer we have become materially, the poorer we have become morally and spiritually. We have learned to fly the air like birds and swim the sea like fish, but we have not learned the simple art of living together as brothers. This was written 59 years ago, but Still to be true. completely honest, it could have been written 59 seconds ago because it right. rings as true today as it did, uh, you know, back then. I, and I'm not going to be one of these people to say that we've made no progress because we have made significant progress. When this was written, my father couldn't vote in certain states. Just flat out. Uh, today, I can. I, that has never been an issue, you know, for me. So there, there definitely are, you know, things that we is better today than it was. But we are we are so far from the finish line with things that we need to do. One other point I want to make, and I'll bring you guys in on this, is that we've talked about this before. I believe it was back in episode forty six, I think, when we talked about Nichelle Nichols. Martin Luther King was a science fiction head. He he loved Star Trek. It was his favorite show. It was the only show that he allowed his children to watch, you know, at night. And I know we talked about this before, but, you know, Michelle Nichols, she actually, you know, is quoted for saying that a conversation with him kept her from quitting Star Trek after year one. Right. So Star Trek wouldn't be what it would be if it weren't for, you know, Martin Luther Martin the King. King. <laughs> so with that, we can go ahead and wrap this week's show up. We did not have any new patrons this week. So I will once again say for anyone who wants to become a patron, just head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech John. That is the tech J A W N. And until we meet again in a week's time, <laughs> Stephanie, why don't you go ahead and tell the folks I didn't no, get at you. You could follow me all around the web at tech life stuff. And you can find me on the internet's all things at brother tech S B R O T H A T E C H. And you can follow me on all things at Rob Dunwood. And also remember, we just opened up our discord to everybody. So if you want to holler at us over on discord, head over to the techjohn.com forward slash discord. Till we meet again in a week's time. Peace. Peace. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.